This is a Wool Observatory podcast. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. Welcome to Star Stuff, space oddity. Hello and welcome to Star Stuff. I am your host, Cody Halfmoon, and I'm here with some friends and colleagues today. Um, why don't you guys introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Dr. Kyler Keene. I'm the Director of Technology at Lowell Observatory. Hi, I'm Dr. Michael West. I'm an astronomer here at Lowell Observatory. Fantastic. And uh, we've had you on the podcast before. We've talked mm-hmm. about uh, Hail, Project Hail Mary, which is a book I suggest everyone here read. Uh, we've been on a few podcasts, actually. Talked about The Thing. The Thing. That was the <laughs> one. That was my favorite one, our, our review of The Thing. Mm. And then I've been trying to bend your ear on a podcast. I'm really excited <laughs> that you're here today. Um, you're, I find you to be a great science communicator. Oh, so, uh, and this, actually this podcast, um, in part in, in our kind of outline of what we wanted the show to include was inspired by a talk that you gave. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, was it Lowell 42? Yes. Lowell 42, which is a program that we give once in a while. It's an in-person kind of lecture right. of something you know, curious and, and wonderful. Yep. Offbeat. Offbeat. So when Kyler came up to me with this episode idea, um, that's kind of where my mind went with mm-hmm. it. But then we thought it'd be fun to start a debate because <laughs> I love the drama. Um, so this episode is going to be an existential deep dive, as much as one can do in 30 minutes, um, on religion and science and how theology and astronomy either commingle in, in history or current currently um, or clash in some ways and how minutes. we reconcile that. That's plenty of time to solve plenty. all the theological <laughs> All <minutes>. the problems. <laughs> we'll solve world hunger. We'll get this, we'll get this going. Right. <laughs> um, and I think that we're, you know, uniquely positioned. I know that we were waiting on this podcast because we wanted to get like a variety of like religious backgrounds, but podcasts are difficult to schedule, guys. It's really hard to coordinate. To coordinate schedules. So, um, but w- I think we're, we're really lucky to have you guys here. You guys are both practiced speakers on this topic. Um, so, and it will get personal because we're going to be talking about our beliefs um, or lack thereof in my case. Mm-hmm. But why don't you guys go ahead and just tell me where you stand initially? Mm-hmm. Um, me? Yes, you go first. So I, I call myself an agnostic. I personally don't believe there's evidence for God. But I also don't believe that there's convincing evidence that there's not God, right? I don't think anybody can know the answer. And as a scientist, you have to live with uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And so I call myself an agnostic for that reason. But I don't, I don't believe, I don't personally find evidence for God. Mm-hmm. And I'm a Christian. I was actually raised a Christian. I was Christian before I was a scientist. Honestly, I would say I'm a scientist because I'm a Christian. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. We can get into that. Yeah. Um, and what was really interesting for me in my chosen career is I was raised in a church that very firmly taught young earth creationism. And yet oh. I was never discouraged from asking questions. So I've certainly moved on from that sort of belief. But, but the idea that I can ask questions, theological questions, like God is not disturbed by my questions was an important mm-hmm. thing that I took away from my, my early religious Education, I guess I would say. Awesome. Okay. Well, and I'm a preacher's kid, and I don't think I have to expound on that. <laughs> That's pretty self-explanatory. Um, no, I'm not. I'm not religious at all. Um, I don't really take a stance on it. I have um, a very, you know, religious family that I love and support, and 
Uh, I love conversations about theology. Mm-hmm. I read the Bible as a piece of literature when I was in college. And I mean, as a preacher's kid, I, I went, I knew it <laughs> growing still up. Still a bestseller. I, it's still <laughs> a bestseller. I mean, they were on to something, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I, I have a lot of interest in the topic and I enjoy talking about it with people who are open to having a theological discussion about it. Um, which I think is an important note here is we're not trying to change anyone's minds. We're just talking about how different opinions come together. I think we all learn from each other, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's why I enjoyed these conversations. And what was your talk about at Lowell 42? Because we don't have any recording of it. Oh, bummer. Yeah. Um, So it was called uh, Spiritual Light in a Dark Cosmos. And so, but again, I'm not, like you said, I'm not here to convince anybody to think one way or the other. So it was just, I tried to present, it was called an evening of conversation. So we had, I don't know how many people in the audience, dozens, a hundred, I don't know. And um, the idea was to, I just laid out the spectrum of views that scientists have from atheists to devout Christians, Muslims, Jews, Sikhs, everything, Hindus. Um, And I just presented that. And then we just sort of opened it up for a conversation, right? And it was sharing what other people have thought about these topics and things like that in the past. So for me, it's really, I I like to learn from other people. So Mm -hmm. if somebody shares their religious views and why they feel that way, Mm -hmm. I can learn something in the process. So it it was a fun evening, I thought. Well, it's good, at least from a marketing perspective, to know, understand, and like respect all of these perspectives. Absolutely. I mean, you know, at least when the observatory posts something about like a lunar eclipse or something like that, we do make a statement because we are on native land right now mm-hmm. of letting, you know, some of the, the tribes in the area know that we will be posting live photos of mm-hmm. the lunar eclipse yeah, because it's yeah. a very strong religious statement right, right. Um, that they specifically do not observe. Right. And I think that respect like a mutual respect there is necessary even from like people think like oh you're a scientific institution Mm -hmm. um but as we'll probably get in when you start your Mm -hmm. backstory uh that doesn't that doesn't negate um curiosities or perspective like respecting perspectives yeah and Mm -hmm. i think most scientists hope we can be proven wrong right in our research or in anything if if somebody makes a great argument i'm all for it convince me you know yeah Mm -hmm. so so why don't you start convince us (laughs) (laughs) no pressure Um, well, I, I guess the, the place I would start is, given that there are um, mutually incompatible truth claims, like they they can't we can't all be right. But I guess um, respecting people's differences is, I guess, a sort of cheeky way to put it. Is everyone has the right to be wrong. Mm-hmm, that's <laughs> um, right. So I mean, and, and I guess in that sense, I, I said you know they can't all be right, but I guess they could all be wrong. Like nobody could have the right. I guess theological view. Has anybody seen The Good Place? Yeah, oh my God, yeah, I really love good. that I show. That. Yeah, oh, it's really so good. good. One of the conceits was there's one guy who was I don't know who was on a guy in Canada a field trip who you know got closest <laughs> yeah. to the, the truth, uh-huh. um, but nobody else has it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Maybe that's how you know things actually work. Well, I I used to wonder because I remember even when I was a kid in church, understanding that everybody in the pew believed in a different God. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, they really did a different perspective, what was a priority, what was important, um, what wasn't important. And we got a lot of that when I was a kid because I read Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. And or I mean, even the small nuances, it was all very different. I mean, even in the same church congregation. So I guess to, to follow up my, my point of, you know, they could all be wrong. I guess the next question I would ask is, does it matter? Mm. Like if, if everybody's wrong, like are we close enough? Are we good enough? If there is a God, like... 
does God really care if we get all the theological nuances right? Like, what are the right. important bits and what aren't? And I think for me, I would say I, I'm a Christian because I, I believe it to be true. I believe it's an accurate description of how the world was created. Um, I think um, I'm not the first one to say this, but one of the most obvious doctrines of Christianity that, that is true is original sin. People are just broken and messed up. And that's Christianity's a way that I find very profound and convincing of how how that is dealt with on sort of just an in, individual like interaction between people level and mm-hmm. on the, the metaphysical level. Like what what right. does it mean that I'm a you know created as a human but I'm also broken? Right. Is that like the tabula rasa like uh, argument, right? Um, or it's like um, is it that one was it or is it called like blank slate? Where it's mm-hmm. like, are we broken uh, yeah. or are we born pure and corrupted by right, society? Right, right. Um, my my perspective is I I enjoy the idea that I'm not meant for anything. It's a relief. So whenever mm-hmm. if everyone's like, oh, you know, we're not meant to walk this much. It's like we're not meant to do anything. Right. Things just happen. <laughs> enjoy it. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's you know we have to walk this long way, and you know we're not meant to walk or not walk. We right. just evolve this way. Um, which I, for me, it's a relief and maybe that's just the pressure's gone. A that's little a lot bit. of the thought with like absurdism, like, you know, Camus and existentialism, like Sartre, where they said if in an absurd universe where it's not clear, anything makes sense or anybody has the answer, mm-hmm. you're free to live the life that you want. Right. And you can still yeah. be a good person, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, one of my favorite quotes is, um, Andre Gide, French writer, won the Nobel prize in 1947. He said, trust those who are seeking the truth but doubt those who say they found it. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that a lot, right? Mm-hmm. We're all on a journey. We're all different views. We're all different places in our lives, but we're all just trying to make sense of it. But when somebody claims they know the truth, that's that's a problem, I think. So this is a good... I had I did have one major question that I wanted to ask y'all, and I feel like this is a good segue um, because it really affects a lot of the work that we do here at Lowell and that a lot of astronomers do and NASA is doing um, is the definition of life mm-hmm. and our search for it in the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it is looking for our place in the universe, but it's also a very concrete definition of life. I know I think mm-hmm. NASA has um, two mm-hmm. uh, obligations for life. I think the biological definition of life includes things like they must procreate which mm-hmm. if you're born sterile, are you alive? Mm-hmm. You know, so there's a lot of, um, you know, inaccuracies, I right. think. It's a hard thing to define. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm curious how that shapes your worldview and also, Kyler, how that how a search for a life might affect your mm-hmm. or, or interact with your religious beliefs, if mm-hmm. there's any, like, um, cognitive dissonance there or not. Not at all. Um, I think I, I said before, like, I was taught that, you know, God isn't surprised by my questions, and so if, uh, if we're asking that question, I think it's good to, to seek out to, to you know, try to find the answer. And I, I like how um, Fox Mulder put it in the X-Files. It's God's greatest conspiracy. Or the greatest conspiracy is um, all God's side projects that he didn't tell us about in the Bible. So are they out there? Um, maybe. I think the, I really like, I heard his uh presentation from a guy named Dennis Danielson, who's a professor at the University of British Columbia, gosh, more than a decade ago, and it stuck with me. Um, He 
says that finding intelligent life out there would do the same thing for him as finding intelligent life down here does. It fills him with awe and wonder and appreciation of what, um, from his perspective, what the universe that God has created. Mm -hmm. So if it's if there's alien life, it's you know the same as me, you know, interacting with another human. That's that's a special experience. Mm -hmm. That can be a religious experience in and of itself. So the thought that perhaps those beings would also be created in God's image. Is that the idea or just that that there are creations out there, so to speak, that, that we don't know about. And that, that's fine. That doesn't upend my theology in any way, mm -hmm. um, any more than people living in Australia does. Mm -hmm. Like if that's still, you know, to me, uh, I, I view that as just another expression of God's creation and God's care for the universe and, and wanting to interact and relate to the, the creations that are in it. Mm -hmm. And um, Michael, I'm curious because I know you've done a lot of research on like theology. Mm -hmm. and, um, what um, have you come across any interesting takes on life and uh, the search for it? I think it depends who you talk to, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you know, there are people who say, you know, if you wiped Earth clean and you let life and evolution start again, you'd never get a human being, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And so, in that sense, you know, how how are we God's darlings or something, right? Um, but then also the possibility of life on other worlds. I think we need to keep re remember that we have a very Earth-centric view of what life mm -hmm. is, of what life needs. And so life could be far weirder, right. probably is far weirder than anything right. we imagine. Not right? carbon-based at planet. all. Or, or yeah. look at viruses on Earth and everything, right? Mm -hmm. Are they living? Um, so I think we just, again, it goes back to what I always say, uncertainty is an inherent part of science. And just to say, I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out, but I don't know the answers. Yeah. That, that's one way I would agree with you, that if someone claims they know, then don't trust them, because we don't know either way. Right. I'm certainly agnostic about, is there life out there? We just don't have the evidence. Exactly. Either. There's, you know, hints, or there's, you know, ways, theoretical models that might cause us to lean one way or another, but sure. we just plain don't know. Right, yeah, it's agreed. And so I'm curious, um, you know, I'm here to not test, but understand the limits of um, like your agnostic view or mm -hmm. the, um, you know, it, until you have proof of a thing, mm -hmm. you don't know if it's mm -hmm. one way or another. Right. Um, I mean, has anyone argued with you like ad absurdum, like, um, you know, oh, well, there's, you know, um, my blood is green and, and gold, actually. Mm -hmm. um, but you know that that's not true. Like, is there any, where, where's the limit there? You can, well, again, it goes back to this idea that, you know, can the world be understood rationally? Can our three-pound brains understand everything in the universe? I personally don't think so, right? Um, and so you can make all these, you know, um, arguments, you know, absurd conclusions, that sort of stuff. But again, I think even in science, right? And, and I'll make this, which maybe not all scientists would agree. I would say that science is a faith too. <laughs> it's a faith that the universe is understandable, that the physical world is all there is. Um, that's a faith, For like sure. a religion is built on it, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm I'm always prepared to admit the possibility that I could be wrong about any of this. So, you know, I've talked with people from, again, devout religious believers to hardcore atheists. And, you know, I, I hope I learn something from everybody I have a conversation with, right? And this is, this is where I am now. This is where all my conversations have brought me to, this mm -hmm. agnostic point of view. And so even if there's evidence for something, you know, a good scientist always remembers that whatever proof, the science doesn't prove anything. And anything we believe today could be wrong in the future as new evidence emerges. And I think it's just really important to always keep that in mind. 
That's why I'm, I'll probably be a perpetual agnostic, you know, so. So I think one of the reasons, I, I said I was a Christian before I was a scientist, but one of the reasons I've, I've stayed a Christian and uh, some of the, honestly, the evidence I see for it is that the universe is rational. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense to me on some version of theism that God is rational, God created a rational universe. Mm-hmm. I don't see any evidence for why the universe would be rational or why we'd be able, we would be able to understand it on their, you know, not being a God. But maybe that's the perspective you're bringing to it. Yes. Our, our little brains try to make sense out of this universe. And so mm-hmm. we couch it in a language that we can mm-hmm. understand. Mm-hmm. But the universe doesn't care about any of that, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. I, I look at science as, I look at science, again, human beings are storytellers. We love a good story. Mm-hmm. And whether we call that story science or religion or poetry or mm-hmm. art, um, they're all attempts to make sense of the world, right? And so... I, I think science is just one way that people try mm-hmm. to do that, basically. And I, I certainly agree with you on that. That's uh, one thing I have a hard time with in scientism, I guess, the belief that science or, or rational understanding is the only way to approach mm-hmm. the universe. I, I don't buy that. I think it's in some ways it's self-refuting because there's no way yeah. to, to prove that is the right approach. I, I would agree with you, yeah. That's why I said science is a is a faith based mm-hmm. thing too. It's just a different kind of faith in a sense. But I'm so. I'm curious, Kyler, um, mm-hmm. when looking at the the Bible, is empirically is that the mm-hmm. right word? Sure. Um, what what uh, I guess because um, I know there are some people who read it, and if it's the written word, that is as it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I was raised Methodist, which is not that specific. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they don't think that Jonah was really taken by a whale. They think mm-hmm. that was a metaphorical right. story as a lot of stories were told back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sometimes there would be this scientific like, oh, well, in, you know, the, um, uh, this, the saint, the, this version of the Bible, I forget which one it was, Adam and Eve said that their sons went off and, mated with men and those were mm-hmm. the humans that were already evolved on the mm-hmm. planet so that was proof of evolution but then not all versions say that so there's a lot of thought mm-hmm. obviously given around ma- like making it work with what the written word mm-hmm. and so i'm curious from your personal perspective um how how is that navigated oh, that's that's a really good question i think one thing that science really just isn't equipped to deal with is revelation or, or miracles and that's science can't say they happen but it also can't say that they don't and that's just sort of built into my worldview that if god is going to interact with the universe in some way it's not necessarily going to be scientifically explicable mm. so i would say the the bible to me the communication directly from god is is a subset of that it's a way that because we wouldn't come up, come up with the god that i believe in on our own god had to communicate to us in some fashion and the Bible is, I think, one of the, the main ways that God has done that. And I think, I would say, a, a lot of the Bible can be very misunderstood if you approach it very simplistically, on either from the fundamentalist um, Christian or Jewish or whatever, or the fundamentalist atheist view. A lot of those, those two extremes have sort of the same view of the Bible. Oh, it says there was evening and morning, therefore creation was 24-hour periods. We know that's crap. Therefore, the Bible's wrong. Mm-hmm. Therefore, there's no God. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's overly simplistic. I think just like any, because it's written, it's, you approach it just like any, any literature. We read the newspaper. We look at the front page differently from we look 
how we look at the opinion section, how we look at the comics. Mm -hmm. And so just understanding the, the genre is, is probably step one in that process. Understanding that, you know, the beginning of Genesis is, it's not poetry, but it's more akin to poetry than history as we understand it Psalm in certainly. the modern world. Yeah. Right. So there's, there's poetry in there. We don't read that the same way we read the biographies of Jesus. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I found it really interesting. Um, my my class in one of my classes in college did a um, a a look at Job as a piece of literature, mm -hmm. which is you know when I really started reading the Bible as such, which was fascinating. I mean that was my major was ancient mm -hmm. literature, and um, I thought it was interesting. Um, one of because I mean Job obviously there are a lot of things that come up in Job that people get stuck on. And it's, it's a, it's a major crux of like, um, you know, mm -hmm. this is science or this is religion mm -hmm. or this is, you know, fact, or this is where it's like pain and suffering. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know we're straying from astronomy and I'm just, I'm just curious, um, in, in reading that chapter, one of the cool things is I learned that a lot of people believe that Lucifer was acting as an angel at the time mm -hmm. because he had to get God's permission to mess around with Job. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I was just saying there's a lot of really cool things like that that you can learn from reading it from mm -hmm. a literature perspective. Um, so I'm curious then, where do your rules of your faith come into play when you're looking at a, a text that is largely maybe some storytelling and maybe some, mm -hmm. you know, allegory. So I think sticking with Job, one of my favorite of all the scriptures is when uh, God asked Job, were you there when I created the world, when I stretched out the heavens, um, when I laid the foundations of the earth? And the answer is, of course, no. Like God was there. God can describe it to us, but we weren't there. We don't know. Mm -hmm. So that, to me, is really a call for humility. As much like mm -hmm. what, what Michael was saying is we don't know all the answers. I think we can know some things, like I said before, particularly through Revelation when it comes to theological issues. But I think that humility is something important, just recognizing that I, I could be wrong, whether it's in my you know particular interpretation of one. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are just so yeah. many inane theological disputes about anything mm -hmm. like recognizing that we could be wrong maybe you know the scriptures aren't entirely clear there's enough room for interpretation that we might this other people we think are wrong might be right all the way to the big things like is there a god at all right yeah i could be wrong yeah. i don't think so i i feel like i have very good reasons for why i believe the way i do but i mean clearly one of us is wrong at least one right. we're both wrong <laughs> all three um, of us right right um, so I guess that's that's sort of where I would try to start is with the humility and mm. get, getting as many different perspectives on any particular, like even assuming the Bible is right and is revelation from God, what are the people who even mm. who believe that? There's so many differences. Like what, mm -hmm. and it's just a matter of going with what makes the most sense, what what the most evidence is for. In that way, it's I approach it the the Bible and my beliefs very similar to how I approach my scientific mm -hmm. pursuits i there should be evidence for it. i can't just make up whatever i want right. um and so i i approach it in some ways very rationally even though the sort of the foundation is is not i don't believe it in the same way that i um pursue science there, there are different reasons there but mm -hmm. it's um but yeah i i would approach it in the same way mm -hmm. well and i think that's interesting that that's both of your perspectives uh -huh. well humility like kyler said it is too is it's really essential right once you think you know the answer you stop learning 
and mm. you could well be wrong. But the other thing coming back to science is I think it goes back to Occam's razor, this idea mm. that the simplest answer is the best. And so for me, when you talk about Lucifer or something, I say, I see no evidence for that. Why mm. would I believe that? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm. Um, so it, and that goes down to different views, obviously. Right, right. But for me, it's always important to remember what's, you know, like UFOs, right? What's the simplest explanation, mm -hmm. right? And it all comes down to Occam's razor, which is an essential part of the scientific method, I think. So I, the things that I have learned on this podcast have, so I am, you know, like I wouldn't call myself like a devout atheist. I don't honestly think about it that often, mm -hmm. but um, <laughs> coming from that perspective and learning some of the things that I have learned, one of one of such things being um, like our episode about black holes. Remember that mm -hmm. one? It was terrifying. Um, mm -hmm. There were all these options for like which kind of black hole could be, and then we found this evidence. So okay, mm -hmm. that narrows it down. Mm -hmm. That narrows this down, and the one that we are left with is the most terrifying one that has two points, like two horizons. Mm -hmm. One of which mathematically, and I, I, I. Trust Haley. She was a brilliant educator. I still Googled it because that's who I am. And I was like, I don't. That's BS. And I looked it up. And mathematically, there is evidence that alternate universes exist within the second horizon of just math. And they're like, this is just, it's just math. It's, it's a theory, but so were the other ones. And this version of a black hole was also a theory. And now all of the evidence shows it. So, you know, and that's kind of how it's been approached. Right. But in my mind, an alternate universe could never be on this plane of, like, reality well, like at, the, at all. The multiverse they talk about, mm -hmm. they did, there could be infinite number of universes. But then if you say we can't communicate with them anyway, right. Is, who right. cares, right? Right, because you know? time doesn't work there, or physics doesn't exactly. work there, or whatever. You know, or the constants are different right. values, whatever. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter, in a sense. But right. the way that it mattered to me, I guess, was that I was so devout in my disbelief mm -hmm. That then having the thing that I did believe in, science, mm -hmm. prove a thing that I didn't believe in, in that way, I was like, Just I don't know anything. Making it mathematically possible was, exactly. was mind-blowing for Exactly. You, right? I was like, well, I don't know anything, I guess. This is terrifying. <laughs> but if you look at general relativity, like Einstein's theory of gravity and the idea of the universe expanding from a Big Bang, it's a mathematical construction, but there's many possible solutions to oh, this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All, all but one, I guess, of which can be true, right? So right. Well, just because it's possible my, doesn't mean it's At, at the same time, going just strictly with mathematics, um, that's where antiparticles were oh, yeah. theorized. It's, it's a mathematical solution, and it turns out that the math then led to the discovery totally of what, how the physical universe actually worked. Yeah, yeah I totally so, agree with that. Yeah. So the, the math is a, is a useful tool, but whether that's realized in... Our reality or not is a different question. Sometimes it is. Sometimes we don't. We or, still don't know. Again, whether mathematics is a human construct to understand the universe, mm -hmm. and the universe doesn't care about mathematics, right? It's the universe our, cares it's about a, patterns, right? Yeah, it's our painting. It's our poem to try and explain how the universe works. Mm -hmm. But the universe may know nothing about mathematics. <clears throat> well, then you have. I mean. Um, the way that pine cones and tool songs are constructed. <laughs> I mean, there's definitely some sort of pattern mm -hmm. that exists in the universe. And uh, my mother's very religious. She's an Episcopalian nun. Mm -hmm. She loves talking about theology. Mm -hmm. um, and she finds a lot of interest in those kind of things. But she's like, well, the Big Bang, she's like, tell me that wasn't an act of 
God. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, I can't. Um, I don't think it was, but I also can't tell you that it wasn't. Um, right. And also mass, like, you know, these patterns that you find in space, you find in the, uh, you know, mm-hmm. the, the cells of a leaf right. on Earth. There's a really good book called um, The Unfinished Universe by a physicist named Louise Young. It's probably out of print now, but you can find used mm-hmm. copies. And she talks about the fact that certain patterns repeat themselves over and over again in nature from, mm-hmm. you know, like the Fibonacci sequence, from seashells to, you know, the largest structures in the universe mm-hmm. and everything. But going back to your point, though, Cody, I think for me, I, you know, anybody that makes a claim, the burden is on them to provide the proof. Mm-hmm. And so if somebody says the universe, God created the universe, it's not up to me to disprove that. It's up to you to prove that. Right, in a sense. right, right. right. Yep. And I, I would say that that pattern is to me evidence that sure. there is something mm-hmm. that has imposed that pattern upon right. the universe. And I think the, the Big Bang is maybe not the best example because there's, um, mathematically at least, we can ask the question, what was before that? Is there cyclical universes? Is there a multiverse? That's, the Big Bang itself is not to me the best multiverse evidence. Multiverse scares um, the crap out of me. But, but as I said before, I, I do think there is evidence and the fact that there is something rather than nothing is evidence to me. Maybe not, obviously not, completely conclusive or you right. believe the same thing I did. Well, I, I, you t- said exactly the thing that keeps me up at nights is the question of why is there something instead of nothing, mm-hmm. right? And I don't know. <laughs> and that's a really interesting question, I think. Why is there something instead of nothing? Yeah. That's kind of terrifying. Yeah. And, and I think that, I mean, that doesn't lead me to Christianity specifically, but right. that does lead me to believe that there's something outside the universe that has caused the universe to exist. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's the kind of definition of God is any. And that's why if you, if you read, like I've read several papers and surveys about religious views of scientists, right? Mm-hmm. And generally scientists are less religious than the general population. But it also depends how you define religion, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of scientists would call themselves spiritual, mm-hmm. uh, um, not necessarily Christian or, or Muslim or whatever, but they believe there's something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then others, uh, you know, I think it's like, I think a quarter identify themselves as atheists, a quarter identify themselves as agnostics, mm-hmm. and then the others have different religious beliefs, whether it's traditional, more orthodox views, or just spiritual, however you define that mm-hmm. as well. And I think historically speaking, that's where uh, science arose in a culture that was really saturated with theism, I think both in uh, Western Europe and Christ- with Christian beliefs and in the Muslim world. It was science developed the way it did because as I said before, the, the universe is rational, and that to me is evidence that there's a right. rationality behind it. And right. that's, um, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't necessarily say that that's proof, but that is, um, shows that the, there certainly isn't inherent conflict between religious belief and, historically speaking, was, the religious belief was a necessary component of getting to science. Right. Well, there are scientists who don't require that at this point, but right. that's, that's how it developed historically. Look at astrology and astrology, right? But yeah, that's, right. You know, the connection between them. But mm-hmm. um, Well, yeah. myths are beautiful. I mean, I... And not, not just speaking of, like, Christianity, but I wish I believed in ghosts. That sounds... Yeah, I, I want to live in a world where there are ghosts. Exactly. That sounds fun. Like, people get so excited on this historic campus about all those spooky, haunted, right. this kind of thing. And right. I'm like, man, I wish I believed in that. That's fun. And that's where I I really try to have the healthy dose of, dose of skepticism that, that Michael brings, is that, you know, the... I think it was Feynman who said the, the easiest person for us to fool is ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we have scientists in particular have to bend over backwards not to fool themselves. Yeah. Um, off topic, we could talk about you know someone fooling themselves about um, little metal spherules they found at the bottom of the ocean being <laughs> mm-hmm. extraterrestrial intelligence. Be? <laughs> but, um, but specifically relevant to this podcast, like I, I try to 
bring that skepticism to my religious beliefs. Like, I don't want to just believe in ghosts because it would be cool to do or believe in right. God because, you know, it's neat and it, it makes me feel fulfilled and satisfied and mm-hmm. I don't cry myself mm-hmm. to sleep in the dark because God. No one would wake um, up on Sunday because they would. <laughs> I mean, that takes some dedication. I, I think that's, it is easy for religious beliefs to just be a crutch like that. And I think mm. a... I do think people do need a crutch because we are broken. And I think there's some reality to that. But believing it just because it makes me feel better is not evidence. Like, that's just emotion. And, you know, there, there's, yeah, that that's not evidence yeah. either way. So I, I try not to base my beliefs just upon that. This is why I enjoy talking with Kyler. We've had some conversations in the past because oh, he's, <laughs> he's open to this, right? To admit that I could be wrong, we all could be wrong. And so, again, I learned from listening to Kyler, right? And yeah. So I enjoy those kinds of conversations. And from you, Cody, I enjoy these. Well, I mean, as confident as I am to say, like, this is what I believe and I don't believe in all of that stuff, uh, you best bet if it's really dark at night and I'm walking through the house, my footsteps might, it might be a little bit quicker sometimes, <laughs> even if I'm like, it's not like, <laughs> so, you know, once all the lights turn off, what do you really believe, you know? <laughs> But um, yeah, I guess any um, any closing comments for our listeners? Um, as, as much as I just said, I, I try to bring rationality to my beliefs and not mm-hmm. just believe something because I feel that way. I think also my religious belief is based upon a relationship. Um, someone could argue that I'm just fooling myself and it's, you know, parasocial in the same way I have a sure. relationship with, you know, Matt Damon. I, I don't. I just, you know, hear about him all the Speak time. Speak for yourself. So. <laughs> <laughs> or, or maybe um, the guy from Supernatural. Jensen Ackles. Yes, that guy. Yeah, he and I are totally like this, only he doesn't know I exist. Right. No, I mean, <laughs> totally the same. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, is that... If only he like, knew me, he'd... he'd is he'd that know. my relationship with God? The skeptic might say, yes, I'm just fooling myself. But to me, I think the non-rational aspects, they don't... Um, they aren't in contradiction with, you know, science or rationality, but relationships are different from, like, I don't analyze my relationship with my wife rationally all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm sure she'd kill me if I did. <laughs> but, like, but you can't say, like, okay, prove to me that I love my wife or prove to her that, I, like, that's not how... It's toxic. That, that's, not how, yeah, that's not how relationships work. So at the end of the day... Um, I can have reasons for what I believe, but if it's a, a relationship, it, it in some ways it transcends just being able to be scientifically proven. Say. Right. That makes complete sense to me, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I would just say it's a beautiful universe. We're here for a short time. Mm-hmm. Try and enjoy it. Make sense of it. And mm-hmm. as we said all along, be open to the possibility that you're wrong about everything. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think um, my favorite part of this conversation is hearing that you both vehemently believe in that like I can be wrong and I'm open to it and I think that's what makes you both incredible scientists despite any differences in in religion um I I think that's really cool and I know I've I've studied both of what y'all worked on so I know for a fact that you guys are fantastic scientists and that's what's cool about science is it doesn't require you to have a particular set of um Religious beliefs are, are, are really a lot of other external beliefs. The, the scientific method works the same way regardless of if you're atheist right. or agnostic or Christian or Jewish. Or, mm-hmm. And that's that's why it's been so successful as a, a tool for humans to mm-hmm. use to advance you know their health and culture and all that. And mm-hmm. why why I am a scientist is mm-hmm. um, because it has has these great benefits. And it's it's true whether you want to believe it or not. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, thank you so much for having this conversation with us and for our listeners of Star Stuff. 
Um, we might get some questions on the Discord, and if you guys get on our Discord and ask any questions for Michael or Kyler, uh, just I'll send it off their way, and then okay. maybe you guys can answer it sure. for me. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next episode. Bye. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs>